Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody here in person. Glad to have those of you joining online, whether you're there on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Be sure to heart to like to share the post there. Uh, that just helps to get the word out even more. Uh, be sure to subscribe there on YouTube. Uh, click the notification bell. Make sure when you click the notification bell, it says all. That way you'll get any of the broadcasts that we go live with, as well as if you'll follow us on Facebook, you'll get that also. And just want to say welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. Uh, you can call the church office at the number uh, that's uh, here at the church office if you need it there at home. You can see the number on the screen if you need the number uh, for the phone live streaming. You can uh, see me after the service. <clears throat> but call our church office. We'll be glad to give you that number uh, for that. Uh, we're ha we have quite a few who watch us each week, uh, people all over uh, who are watching us. So we just praise the Lord for the opportunity to reach out uh, even further. Uh, encourage you to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there. You can download today's worship bulletin. If you need these in person, uh, they're at the doors as you leave or in the windowsills here. So be sure to pick up one of those. It has all the upcoming uh, activities on it as well as you can uh, download Download there under that same info tab the children's worship bulletins I think there's still some left in the window over here uh, if you want any of those uh, during the service feel free to get up anytime and to go pick one of those up <clears throat> and then also under that info tab you can download this week's prayer list so I encourage you to take the time to do that uh, it's a great opportunity there for you to be uplifting people in prayer and uh, this is our most updated list there'll be a new one coming out Wednesday uh, so be in prayer for each one of those people on the list and also while you're there on the website you can go to the far right hand side click the give online tab there uh, easy platform to do your online giving or you can do that in person with the envelopes that are in front of you in the pew and just place it in the offering plates down here at the front uh, there are some at the door as you go out the door there on the back so be sure to get one of those if you miss that uh, but you can do that even in person online so I encourage you to take the time uh, to do that uh, I think that's all I've got to say brother Mike if you'll come and lead us in our song Good evening. The song that we've chosen for tonight is probably a little less familiar. So by the time we get to the fourth verse, Tommy, we'll, we all know what we're doing. So, oh, Master, let me walk with thee, 279. Miss Pat. Let me walk with thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me thy help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of Help me the slow of heart to move by some clear winning word of love. Teach me the wayward feet to stay and guide them in the homeward way. Teach me thy patience still with thee in closer
and strong in trust that triumphs over wrong in hope that sends a shining ray far down the future's problem way in peace that With thee, O Master, let me live. <laughs> With an old but new song. <laughs> so, uh, new to us sometimes as we don't sing those that often, but great words uh, in those songs. Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 20. And verse 20, uh, if you need a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you there, so be sure to grab you one. But Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20, we're going to just read uh, down through verse 20, 23. We'll go down through 23. We're going to go through all these verses in just a moment. We're just going to read through verse 23 for now. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word uh, tonight. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it is prepared, it has been prepared by my Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the blessing of your word tonight. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at this passage and uh, begin to see, Lord, what you're speaking to us about tonight, I pray, Lord, that each one of us, whether we're here as a believer or whether we're here as someone who's never trusted by faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, Lord, that we would hear the gospel message, that we would hear uh, the truth of your word, that even if we're believers, we would repent of any sin in our hearts. Father, help us to be careful in our lives that uh, we don't try to lord anything over others, but Lord, that we come with a servant heart of humility to serve in your kingdom work. So bless your word tonight, and may your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So uh, the word I want to look at tonight, uh, I've actually entitled this The Great Commitment. You may see it in your bulletin as The Great Commandment, and that's natural for us to think of when we think of the great, we think of the great commandment, and that's what Amy uh, put there, but I had given her the great commitment there. It's the great commitment, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through verse 28. You know, envision is a powerful word. In 1969, America did something that had only been dreamed of and fantasized about in books and novels. We put a man on the moon. Uh, how did that happen? 
that happened because of others who had had that vision and that dream and because John F. Kennedy himself as president on May the 25th, 1961, had envisioned putting a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Uh, almost 60 years ago, uh, 22,000 acres of Orlando, Florida was just a wasteland southwest there uh, of Orlando uh, where alligators outnumbered people. Uh, porous limestone was what the ground was there, uh, covered by uh, a swampy kind of muck. It was land that nobody wanted until November the 22nd, 1963, when a, when a charter, chartered airplane uh, flew over that huge expanse of muck and mire, and a man named Walt Disney pointed to it and said two words, that's it. That's the land, and we know the history, and that region has been transformed in what, into what the entire planet knows as Disney World because of what Walt Disney envisioned in his heart and in his mind. I want to challenge you in this message tonight to envision a church that is laser-focused on leading people to love God uh, and, and to serve others and to share your story. Uh, to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, uh, that is the great command uh, that we have. Uh, the second great command is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And, and so when we look at this passage tonight, we're going to be looking at that middle part uh, we talk about love God and, and serve others and share your story. We're going to be talking about serving others. Now think about this. If you went to Wall Street and you asked the question, what is the secret of greatness? Wall Street would say money and lots of it. If you were to go to Washington, D.C. and to ask uh, what is the secret of greatness, they would say, well, it's political clout. Uh, if you were to go to Hollywood and you were to ask uh, what is the secret of greatness, Hollywood would say it's fame. But the greatest man who ever lived, Jesus Christ, had a different answer. And that's what we see in these verses in Matthew 20, verse 20 down through verse 28. And in particular, I want to continue on reading in verse 24, 25, and 26 to finish laying out the story here for us of what has happened. So verse 24 says, And when the ten heard it, when they heard about what these two disciples had got their mama to ask Jesus, that's basically what they did. They went to mama and they asked mama, Mama, will you go to Jesus and will you ask him for us? And that's what she does. She comes and she says, Would you grant for these my two sons? Now, she's the mother of the sons of Zebedee. It doesn't tell us their names, but we know who that is from other scriptures. That's James and John the sons of thunder. And so uh, they didn't have a whole lot of thunder this day coming before Jesus. They were too scared to come before Jesus themselves. And so they asked their mom to go before Jesus and to ask on their behalf. And she asked, "Who could, could you grant Jesus this one request to let one of my sons sit on your right and the other on your left when you come into your kingdom? Now, they're still thinking at this point in this time of an earthly kingdom that's going to be set up. They're not talking, they're not even thinking really in the terms of what Jesus is of the heavenly kingdom that is still to come. And so she's asked that question, and he asked them, he turned to them and said, you don't know what you're asking for. He had said back in verse 22, are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink? And so those two sons said, oh, sure, yeah, we can do that. And Jesus says, that's right, you will, but you're not going to like it. He says, you're going to drink the cup. He says, but to sit at my right hand and to sit at my left hand, that's not for me uh, to give or to grant. It's for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. And then we come to verse 24, and we find out it's not only these two who are wanting to know that kind of answer also. The rest of the ten 
So notice what verse 24 says. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. Now they got mad at the two brothers because they asked first, but they were thinking the same thing themselves because we know in other places in the Scripture that they argued amongst themselves who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And, and James and John kind of got a step ahead of them and got their mom to ask uh, on their behalf. And so they're mad with these two brothers. But then verse 25 says, But Jesus called to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. That's what they thought it meant to be sitting at the right hand or the left hand of Jesus. We're going to have all this authority. We're going to have all this power, prestige. Uh, just let us sit there. We know what to do. We can straighten everybody out. And then you come to verse 20, uh, 26 here, and Jesus says, mm -mm. It shall not be so among you. You're not going to lead with power. You're not going to lead with prestige and authority. He says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So in the eyes of Jesus, success and greatness in the kingdom of God is far different than what those on this earth think of greatness as. In the kingdom of God, there's no easy elevator to the top. To get to the top in God's eyes, you've got to take the stairs of service. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 27 and in verse 28, he says, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. So he uses even stronger words here uh, than what he did in verse 26 about being your servant. Now he says you must be uh, the slave. And he says in verse 28, even as, just like the Son of Man, just like Jesus himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So understand that success and greatness in the kingdom of God are far different than this world. The secret to greatness and the kingdom of God is not how many servants you have, but what kind of servant you are. It's not about how many people you're over in any position. It's what kind of servant are you are, uh, you are even as you may lead in a position. And so the statement Jesus made is one of the most incredible statements of his entire ministry. Uh, think about this. The one who his own disciples called Lord. The one whom his own disciples called master. The one person who should serve no one and be served by everyone says that his attitude is not to see what we can do for him, but what he can do for us. What a heart. What an attitude. What a spirit from the Son, Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you the key question to this whole passage here. Are you more interested in being served in a church or are you more interested in being a servant in a church? There was a first grade teacher who asked her class the question, what do you do to help at home? One by one the answers came back and one little girl said, well, I dry the dishes. That's good. One little boy said, well, I feed the dog. Another child said, I sweep the floor. Everybody in the class gave an answer except for one little boy who was sitting in the back, and he didn't say anything. And the teacher looked at him and said, Johnny, what do you do, or what do you want to do to help out at home? And he said, I stay out of the way. <laughs> you see, the problem is too many of us in the church stay out of the way. 
uh, a Gallup poll once discovered that only 10% of church members are active in any kind of personal ministry in their church. And what's even more amazing is that 50% in this study, they found 50% of all church members said that they have no interest in serving in any ministry of the church. Now, I thank the Lord that we have a lot of different people who are serving in the church, serving in different ways, some serving in multiple ways. And I'd encourage you to focus on at least that one, maybe two at the most, areas that the Lord is leading you to serve in and do those to the best of your ability to serve the Lord in those areas. You know, sometimes we take on too many hats because we, and, and that works for pastors too, we take on too many things and we think Think that, that we've got to do everything. Nobody's going to step up and do it. And sometimes we just need to step back and let the Lord lead and let the Lord work in somebody's heart and somebody's life and to, and to encourage them uh, as you see people who have that giftedness in a particular area to serve. Uh, but if you have no interest in serving in the church and you have no heart for finding something that you can do for God, whether it's inside the church on Sunday or Wednesday or outside the church during the rest of the week, then something is wrong in your relationship with God. Because it's not just about, uh, this relationship is not just about making sure you have your salvation. Uh, once you know you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then you are called to be a servant in His kingdom work. And so do you realize God has set up your life to teach you to serve others? I mean, think about it. Parents. When you have a, a little baby, parents have to learn uh, with a baby's first cry that service just became a full-time job. Isn't that right in the nursery? Babies go to crying. That's your full-time job, to comfort those babies. If you have a baby as a child uh, and you're a parent, uh, that's your first full-time job, in a sense, uh, as a parent. The reason people go to college and get degrees is to become an expert in some field of serving others. Uh, even politicians like to call what they do public what? Service. And so uh, there's one reason, though, uh, we should serve others on this earth, and that's because serving is what we're going to be doing for all eternity. That's why we ought to be serving. Because if you don't get used to it here, you're certainly going to have to do it there. Heaven is described in the book of Revelation as a place that Revelation 22 verse 3 says, No longer will there be any occur, anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. So we're going to be serving even in heaven. We're going to be serving Him, worshiping Him. So think about that as we love God in our worship, because worship is not just what happens here in this building. Worship's what happens back in Sunday school. Worship happens in other activities we do as a church. Worship happens at your home. Worship happens at your work. Worship happens everywhere you go, because you take God with you. You take the Holy Spirit with you. So remember that, that everything you do is to be an act of worship before Him. So let me share with you why you should not only desire to serve others, but even demand it and not rest until you find a place where you can serve others. Here's the first thing I want you to see from this passage and from some other passages throughout Scripture that have to do with servanthood. First of all this, God expects us to serve others. Because understand this, the Christian life and a life in and of itself is not about you. 
The world doesn't revolve around you. The world revolves around Christ, and Christ gives us the example himself that we are to be servants. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. He's speaking about Jesus who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And so in that one verse there, he's saying on the one hand, you know your salvation doesn't come from your works. It's a gift of grace that's given to you. But as a result of you receiving that free gift of grace, there ought to be evidence in your life through the works of showing your works before others that you would glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so he says he's called us to a holy calling or a holy work. And that simply means there, uh, uh, refers to, it refers to ministry. So you'll find in the Bible that the word ministry is the same word as service, and that the word service is the same as ministry. A servant in the Bible is a minister, and a minister in the Bible is simply a servant. So everything created by God was created for a purpose. I mean, think about that. God created the birds, and the birds sing. Uh, God created the cows who, who give us milk. Uh, God gave us fish who, who, who were created to swim. Uh, dogs were created to win uh, championships. I'll let you pause there for a second on that one, since I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. <laughs> and you were created for ministry. Sorry, Tennessee fans. You were created for ministry. God designed us to make a difference in this world. Think about that. Every single one of us are to be making the greatest impact we can for the kingdom of God right where he has us at any given moment. Maybe God brought you here and he's brought you here for just a season. You're to make an impact for God while you're here, right here where you're at. If God moves you to somewhere else, you're to make an impact for him wherever you go, wherever he leads you. But every one of us have been created to make an impact, to serve him in his kingdom work. You're designed to make a difference. God made you the way you are so you could do what he wants you to do. Now, there are some guys that are in here that, man, they could get up here and they could mess with lights and electricity and do all kinds of things with electricity. I don't touch it. I stay away from it. I don't got a clue when it comes to the electricity. God has gifted individuals to do things like that. Uh, there, there's all kinds of things that every one of us are able to do that not everyone else in the group that's here even tonight or in the larger body of Christ is able to do. Now, understand this. We've all been called to serve, and every Christian has been called to service. And God made you the way you are so that you could do what he wants you to do. And so some are gifted to speak. Some are gifted to sing. Uh, some are gifted in, in accounting. Uh, some are gifted in, in, in playing instruments. Uh, there's all kinds of different gifts that we have. For some, it's just a gift of a servant heart that you're willing to go clean the toilets. You're willing to go sweep up behind somebody. You're willing to go help in the kitchen on the kitchen uh, team there or to help in, in whatever way that it is there. You know, every Christian is called to serve, and every Christian has been called to service. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, obviously, that every Christian is called to pastor or to be a Sunday school teacher or to be full-time, uh, a full-time work in a church. But at the same time, every Christian is called to full-time Christian service. Listen to Romans 7, 
and verse 4 where Paul writes this to the church at Rome. He says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit. You were saved to serve. You weren't saved to just sit in the pews. You weren't saved just to soak, uh, just to sour. Think about this. Why doesn't God, the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, why doesn't he take you on to heaven? I mean, you, you already have your salvation. He could easily do that. But why doesn't he? Why doesn't he take you on? There's only one explanation. He has something for you to do. And you may be here tonight, you may be listening online, you may be up in years, and you may think, what in the world could I possibly do at my age? Let me tell you this, until you draw your last dying breath, God has something for you to do. It may just simply be writing a card to somebody. It may be picking up the phone and making a call to somebody. It may be uh, just a number of things that you can do, even if you're not physically able to go places and to do things physically. And so he has something for you to do. He has a place of service he wants you to fulfill. God doesn't waste either breath or space. And if you're here even tonight and you're listening tonight, he expects you to serve. It doesn't matter uh, what, whether you're a male or you're a female. It doesn't matter if you're, you're a child or you're an adult or you're way up in years. God expects you to serve him. Why does God want you to serve? Why does God want you in a church? Because he wants you to minister in the church. Why does God bring needy people uh, into your life even during the week so that you can minister outside the church? You know, contrary to, to what a lot of religious faiths teach, we don't believe that, that we're, you're saved by service, but we do believe that you are saved for service. And so uh, that's the first thing that we need to realize is that God expects us to serve. Now understand this. He doesn't just push you out there on your own. You know, when we were younger, the way we learned to swim is our mom and daddy, they just throwed us in and said, sink or swim. And you just had to paddle, dog paddle, do whatever to stay above water. Now, they weren't going to let you go under, but that's not the way the Lord does. He, he doesn't just throw you out there to the wind and say, go do it, uh, go, go, go be a, a nuclear scientist and, and use that for my ministry. He doesn't do that. He empowers us to serve others. That's our second point. He, God empowers us to serve others. So understand that God has given you all the things that you need. He's given you the equipment that you need to serve him. And it's called the spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12 and verse 6 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Not waste them, not sit on them, uh, not keep them to ourselves, but let us use them. Every Christian is gifted. Now, we don't all have the same gifts as we said earlier, but we're equally gifted in service and in the sense that God has given us the abilities and the gifts that we need to do whatever he wants us to do in the body of Christ because he never wastes anything. Every spiritual gift and every natural ability that you have, God gave it to you to be used in ministry. And so that's why Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, As each has received a gift, 
use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Understand that spiritual gifts have not been given for your enjoyment. They've been given for his employment. And so anybody who, who, who knows me knows I love Christmas. Uh, I, I love the decorations. I love the trees. I love the presents. You know, you think about that when you have all those presents around the tree. Who are those usually for? Predominantly, they're for the kids. They're for the, 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 your children or they're for your grandkids. And, and you just can't wait many times for, for them to open that gift and to see that expression on their face that, that they got something they were longing for, uh, got something that, that they're just so excited about it. It may have not even been something that was on their, on their wish list, but there's that anticipation of the kids opening those presents on Christmas morning. But understand this, no matter how much you paid for the gift, if it sits under the tree and it never gets open, it's absolutely worthless. That's the way we need to think of the gifts God has given to us. You need to discover your gift, you need to develop your gift, and you need to use or deploy your gift in the service of others. Now, you may wonder, how do I determine what my gift is? How do I know that? Well, I'd encourage you to go to our church website. Uh, you'll find a link there under one of the tabs over to the to the left or to the right there that says ministry and underneath that there's a link there that you can click uh, to take a little quiz thing that'll help you to determine what your gifts are. If you want a paper version of that, I've got one in my office. I'll be glad to give to you after the service. If you're online and you want one of those, uh, just comment there and let us know and I'll be glad to, to send one out to you. But understand this, you need to know what your gift, how you're gifted and, and, and use those gifts of service. Now many of us know the talents and abilities that we have. But, but sometimes uh, God has gifted us, spiritually gifted us, in ways that, that maybe are outside the box of, of, of the talents that we have. And so the reason so often, though, that, that church members get frustrated and irritated and sometimes lose interest in the church is either they've never discovered their spiritual gift and don't know what it is, or they've discovered it and either they're not using it, not willing to using it, or they're using it in the wrong place. And so you need to make sure that whatever you do in the church, that two things are true. One, that you have the ability and the giftedness for it. And then number two, that you've got the passion for it. And so uh, let me give you a couple of thoughts that I want you to take home with you. One will be in this point, the other will be in our next point. But the first is this, that this church needs you involved in ministry. You know, when our, uh, when our nominating uh, team comes around every year in the summer months there leading up to uh, the school time starting back, we usually are going around and asking people. You know, they ought not to have to ask for people. They ought to have people coming to them, knocking on the door in a sense, saying, hey, I'll be willing to serve. Put me down for this. I'd be willing to serve here. I'd be willing to do this. Amen, right, Ms. Rima? That'd be a great blessing uh, to, that you came to them and said, this is the way I've seen that the Lord has shown me I'm gifted and I'm willing to use it. I may not have not done this before. I want to learn. I've got a passion for doing this. And, and so you find that place to serve in ministry. So that's the first thing. You need to be involved in ministry. I mean, think about it. I didn't bring one up here with me. I've got a fake one here. This is one of those, you click the little things, you know, the, they're not like the regular pencils. Uh, but when you think about pencils, uh, just something simple as a pen pencil, did you know that no, no one human being knows enough to make one simple lead pencil? 
Think about that. There's a lot of intricate parts even that go into a mechanical pencil. That there has to be somebody uh, who knows how to mine graphite. Uh, there's somebody else who has to know how to process wood or to, or to form plastic into, a, into the correct things to, to make a barrel that, that a piece of lead can, can slide up in. There's actually, if I pulled this apart, there's a shaft that's up in there just like a, a pin is that a tiny piece of lead uh, pokes through. So somebody had to know how to make that. Uh, you see what's on the top there? What's on the top of every pencil and eraser? Somebody had to know how to produce that rubber to, to make that kind of an eraser that can erase uh, the mistakes that we make. Somebody else had to know how to manufacture the paint. If you look at this one, it's got our logo on it. Somebody else entirely uh, had to know how to put a logo on a pencil uh, like that. And, and so somebody else had to know how to put all that together. And then somebody else had to know how to market it. Somebody else had to know how to distribute it. Somebody else had to know how to sell it. So think about that. What's true of a pencil is true in the church. It takes every person doing their part to make it all work so that when somebody clicks it, the leg comes out and you're able to write. The eraser's there that you're able to erase. You can pull it apart and stick another piece of lead inside. Everyone is to be serving, and God empowers us to be able to serve. The third point I want you to see is this, is that God not only empowers us, he equips us to serve him. Now, Paul writes a lot in, Ephes in Ephesians to the church at Ephesus uh, about serving in various aspects of ministry. Now, understand that the list that he gives here is not an exhaustive list. So these are not the only ways that you can serve in God's kingdom work. But in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 11 and verse 12, Paul wrote this and said, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so what you have in effect here is kind of a job description uh, of those who are serving in the church, as well as the saints who are to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And so you have this job description both for the pastor as well as for the people. And so first of all, notice that it's God's people who have to assume the work of ministry. The ministry of the church doesn't belong to just the pastor or just the youth pastor or just the Sunday school teacher. The work of the ministry belongs to the people of the church. And that leads us to the second truth that I want you to take home tonight. And that's the, that my number one job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You know, some people have the idea that the pastor serves the church by doing the ministry of the church. Someone said that the first reformation put the word of God back into the hands of the people of God. Now we need a second reformation to put the, put the work of God back into the hands of the people of God. And so often we've, we've delegated that to somebody else to do. Oh, that's their job. That's what they get paid to do. It's all of us serving in God's kingdom work. And so understand something. When you read the New Testament, you'll never find uh, words like committees. Ooh, step on some toes here. Majority rules, boards, parliamentary procedures, business meetings. We have those things, and, and, and there is a value in those things to, to help us be organized and to, and to focus on where we need to be going. But too often, 
Uh, those things uh, have, have been imposed as, as we've learned from the secular world, uh, and we put those things on ourselves and we become so bogged down in bureaucracy that we think, I can't serve unless somebody else on a committee tells me I can serve. You can serve. You can serve in all kinds of ways. God has you right where you're at, whether that's in your community, where you're at to serve and to minister to the people around you and to show them the love of Christ. Maybe it's to reach out to the kids in your neighborhood. No committee has to tell you how to do that. Nobody has to give you permission to do that. Where you work at, the people you work with, whatever the job is, whatever the, the career field is that you're involved in, whether that's even in a place where they tell you you're not supposed to talk about your faith, you can live your faith before them. You can read your Bible while you're at your workplace in your free time that you have. Students can do that at school too. And nobody can stop them from doing those things. And all of that can be a witness to those people around you and be used to serve and minister to those people around you because they're going to look at you and they're going to see something's different about him, something's different about her. And I want to talk to them and they begin to talk to you maybe in those times where you do have that free time to talk to one another. So understand that God has empowered us. God has equipped us to serve others. Here's another thing to share with you in that. You need to ask God, if you don't already have it, to give you the attitude of a servant. If you don't already have that attitude and that heart of a servant, Lord, whatever it is, here is the blank check. Sign on it what you want me to do, and I've already signed it. I'm willing to do it. That's scary. That means you may have to talk in front of some people. That means you may have to take some leadership position that God has gifted you and will gift you and continue to gift you to be able to do. But you, every single one of us, need to have that attitude and that heart of a servant. You know, it's against our human nature to want to serve others. And so when the average person looks for a church, here's the question they're usually asking. How can this church meet my needs? The average person is looking at a church that way. But when you get to the stage of maturity, spiritual maturity, you ought to ask as a Christian, how can I be used in this church to meet the needs of others. Not what can this church do for me, but what can I do for others in serving the Lord through a particular church? The immature Christian asks, who's going to meet my needs? The mature Christian asks, whose needs can I meet? I tell you who will meet your needs. When you begin to worry about the needs of others, God will take care of the needs that you have. Sometimes we're, we're so obsessed with living as long as we can, so we do everything from watching our diets to exercise to taking vitamins. Well, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. What matters most is not how, you, how long you live, but how you live. It's not the duration of your life that matters. It's the donation of your life that counts. So do you know what God is looking for in a church? He's looking for servants. He's looking for servants. What did he say in these verses? In verse 26, he says, But whoever would be greatest among you must be your servant. 
Someone once asked uh, Leonard Bernstein, the late New York Symphony director, conductor, uh, what is the most difficult position in the orchestra to play? And without hesitation, here was his answer, second fiddle. And they said, why is that? Is playing second fiddle, uh, second chair violin so much tougher than, than playing the piccolo or, or playing the bassoon or, or playing the drums or the cymbals? He said, no, it's not tougher. It's just that everybody wants to be in the first chair. Everybody wants to be the first chair violin player. You know, people that want to be chief are a dime a dozen. But people that want to be a servant are rare indeed. So let me encourage you to ask in your own heart, here I am, Lord, at your service. What would you have me to do? Are you a servant for the Lord? Or are you looking for him to serve you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage tonight. Sometimes we need to be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing and why you have gifted us to do the things you've gifted us to do, that you have called us all to be a servant. And we may not think of the things that we're doing as some gifted position, but they are. Whether that's standing at the doors and greeting visitors as they come in, whether that's as our ushers or whether that's as, as, as someone leading the, the music for, for the congregation to sing or the choir to sing or you're one of those in the choir who is using your giftedness to sing or you're one of those who are using their abilities to play an instrument or maybe you're one who is, uh, who is using your giftedness to teach or whatever it is, Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to see that our giftedness and the abilities and talents you've given us are for a purpose. And you want to use us in your kingdom work. So, Father, I pray that whatever time we may have left remaining on this earth, that we would seek to make the greatest impact that we could for your kingdom's sake. Lord, to live a life that shows Christ to others, that serves others with our hands and our feet, that goes to them and ministers to them, uh, that just talks to them. Uh, when so many people around us uh, are so isolated and don't have anybody to talk to and they're going through so many things, use even just our conversations, Lord. Use our very actions at our workplace or, or even at school to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you will empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is that we would give that blank check to you and you would say, here's what I want you to do. And I'm going to give it to you to do. I'm going to give you everything you need to do it. And Father, may we be willing to step out and to follow you. Give us, Lord, that heart of a servant. And Father, I pray for your will to be done, that as we do that in our hearts and our lives, Lord, I pray that you will continue as you already have been. Thank you, Lord, for so many who have given of themselves to be used in your kingdom work in and through this church. Father, I thank you for those who are here tonight uh, who, who are using their talents and their gifts and their abilities. But Father, there are many others who haven't. And so I pray, God, that they would seek to discover what those gifts are that you've gifted them for with. And Lord, to find out what those abilities are that you would have them to use. And Father, I pray that you would use them wherever they are to serve you 
to bring glory and honor to you. Help us, Lord, to realize life is not about us. Life is all about you and about serving others, and ourself comes last. So, Father, use us in whatever way that you will to make the greatest impact for your kingdom that you will. Father, I pray that if there's one that's here tonight, one that's watching online tonight who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, Lord, I pray that's where they would start. Lord, that they would come to the place of surrender, the place that every servant has to come to to say, here I am, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I need Jesus in my heart. I believe he died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, that he arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray if someone's prayed something like that in their heart tonight, Lord, may they come to publicly profess that faith in Christ. Lord, it may be others that you're leading to become a part of this fellowship. I pray, Lord, that you would lead them uh, to make that decision to step out and to follow you. Uh, Lord, others who are just seeking, uh, need to seek those areas where they're gifted. Father, I pray that you'll guide them and show them the ways that you want them to serve and how they can serve you the best. Uh, not maybe necessarily the way they feel like they should, but the way you do. And so, Father, I pray that you'll give them that light and that truth to know how you would have them to serve you. And, Lord, I pray that when they do, may you open the windows of heaven and may you pour a blessing upon them that they could not contain. Lord, bless us tonight in this invitation. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing number 283, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated. Brother Mike, if you'll come and... Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of my love. Lord, I give my life to thee, time forevermore to be. Take my 
choosing that song and I wanted to be sure we sang all those verses because that's an important commitment uh, that we need to make. Some of us don't like to get to that third one that says I give my silver and my gold <laughs> to give all those things that I have. But thank you so much for joining with us, uh, especially online there tonight. We look forward to having you back Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. Uh, and so we have Awana uh, on Wednesday nights at 5.30. So if you have kids, be sure to be here for that. Uh, but we'll look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. We're going through the book of Hosea, and we'll have a wonderful blessing there uh, too. But you stay safe. We'll see you this Wednesday, 6 o'clock.